This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for February 18, 2024. The title of the message is Salt and Light, Part 2. We come now to the means of grace in which we receive the grace of His Word, that as we read it and as we hear it preached, um, that by faith we hear the very voice of our Lord. If you turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, we continue in our morning series through the Sermon on the Mount. We'll be looking at um, the second part of Jesus's, I guess you could say, mini parable, uh, his parabolic illustration of what what it means to be a Christian uh, in the world, and uh, and the kingdom character of God's people. Uh, here now, then, uh, oh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Excuse me. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the midst of the darkness in our own hearts and in the world around us, may your light shine so that we may see things as they truly are, but most importantly, we might see your glory. Lord, would you be with me that as I proclaim your word, that would bring light uh, in the darkness. And Jesus would be glorified. Bless us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here now the, the reading of God's word, beginning in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. This morning I entitle my sermon, Salt and Light, Part 2. We're going to be looking particularly uh, in verses 14 through 16. You know, when I was a Boy Scout uh, and I went to a Boy Scout camp for a week, uh, it, it was the roughest week of my life. Uh, I think I probably, maybe I'm sharing a little too much, but I took maybe like one or two showers because the water was just so cold, there was no hot water to take showers, and and uh, and so it was very very interesting uh, the the various smells that you would you would experience. Uh, this camp was in the middle of nowhere, uh, up in the mountains. It was so rough. I remember it was so remote, relatively speaking, that when you looked up in the night sky. Uh, you would see so many stars, you could just couldn't even begin to count how many there were stars uh, in, in the evening sky. And it's the same stars 
that we see here. But because of the light pollution, we probably only see a fraction, a, 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 a very small fraction of the stars that are actually uh, there for us to see. One night, uh, I was out and about, and I was told to bring a flashlight if you're going to be out while it's getting dark or it's going to get dark before you return back to uh, camp. And I remember... Um, I remember not having my flashlight because I couldn't find it. And so it got dark, and then it was very, very hard to get back to base camp. Uh, it was very hard because I would trip over the, even the, the smallest rocks, uh, whatever imperfections were on the trail. I would hit my head on, on branches. I might as well ha have had a blindfold on because I couldn't see anything because it was just so dark. At the time, I... I realized how, just how important uh, a flashlight was, just how important it was to have light uh, in the midst of the darkness in this world. That night I realized how important it was for, for us to be light in the darkness uh, and to have a new perspective on what Jesus is describing here. As we continue in our series through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us how important we are, how important you and I are as the light of the world in and through him. Here Jesus tells us what it means to shine forth his light, the light of Christ, to, to shine forth the, his light in a dark and fallen world. And so what does that mean? to shine forth the light of Christ in the world. First, it means shining forth the light of Christ because it's dark, because the world is around us dark. Last week, we looked at how Jesus calls us to, to distinctive Christian living, to live distinctively as salt in the world. And here, Jesus is expanding on that theme of distinctive Christian living in terms of light, why? Because like salt, light has to be distinguished from darkness. That's the character of light uh, that makes darkness separate. And this light, in order to be separate from darkness, in order uh, to be light and not darkness, light has two very distinctive characteristics. What are they? It is when light shines forth by scattering the light and thereby illuminating everything around it. And so Jesus begins by telling his hearers that you are the light of the world. What does that mean? It means we are light. It means light emanates from us. We shine forth into darkness like lamps and flashlights. That we are sources of light, providers of light. And it's not enough that we simply shine but we have to shine and illuminate things around us. That as we do so, we scatter the darkness and we shine, on, we shine our environment so that people can see what's there. And so Jesus gives us three truths about what it means to be the light of the world. What are they? First, we must live distinctive Christian lives that sets us apart from the darkness. 
that sets us apart from the darkness in the world and around us. This is what light does. It shines by, by lifting and scattering and pushing away the veil of darkness. Look at the end of verse 15, right? Uh, it not only uh, scatters the light, or scatters the darkness, but it brings light to whatever is there. And so when a lamp is lit, and later on Jesus says, you know, when a lamp is lit, you don't put it under a basket and hide the light. You put it on a stand so that the light illuminates as much area as possible. And if, in some cases, uh, in the middle of the house, as high as you can, so it illuminates the whole, at least of the, the main part of the house, if there aren't adjoining rooms. Right? It gives light to all in the house, uh, verse, uh, verse 15. Throughout the Bible, light is the first of God's creation. Out of the darkness of the, the formless and the void darkness, uh, in, the pri- in the primordial darkness before creation, God said, let there be light. And there was light, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Light is used to describe then the glory of God's own attributes and his being. Right, John said God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. It, light is used to describe God's presence during the Exodus, right? In the form of the pillar of fire, and of smoke that led the Israelites through the desert, leading them. Light uh, is used throughout the Old Testament to represent truth, to represent knowledge, to represent wisdom, to represent glory, to represent God. That's why there was a lampstand in the holy place that it represented the knowledge that emanated from God's presence that brought light in the midst of the darkness. And then it is through that light you can enter into God's presence in the holy, most holy of holy places. Uh, The word of God is described as a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Uh, It is described as uh, giving, moving us out of ignorance into knowledge, out of uh, sin and, and evil into a holiness uh, and truth. It di- differentiates, uh, as it represents uh, darkness as evil, right? And light represents goodness and glory. And, and this whole picture, this whole idea, this whole theme of, of light over darkness is fulfilled then in the coming of Christ. The light of the world that pierces the darkness of this fallen world. Jesus says throughout the Gospel of John, I, he says, I am the light of the world. That he says, I am the light of the gospel of the glory uh, of God. And it is through this light of the gospel in Christ that Jesus then calls us the light of the world. It is through Jesus, the light of the world, that we together are light of the world through him. And, and individually lights 
in the darkness of this world. This is how Jesus saved us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his marvelous light. The light of life, the light of men, the light of the world. Jesus, bearing our sin and guilt, hung in the midst of the darkness of Calvary, bearing our sins, our guilt, our shame, bearing our penalty and our punishment, where the light of the world was snuffed out because he bore the punishment that we deserved. And here's the interesting thing. Because Jesus was snuffed out on the cross, because he died bearing our guilt and shame, he did it so that by faith we might have the light of his life, the light of his grace and his glory, the light of salvation that only comes through faith in Christ. So that on that, the morning of, of that third day, when the sun pierced the darkness of that early Sunday morning, it represented the piercing of the light of Jesus' resurrection, piercing the whole fabric of the darkness of this universe, of this world fallen in death and sin that he brings light and life to sinners so that they might have new life. They might have resurrection life. And it is this light of the gospel through faith in Christ that shines now brightly in us. And this is what Jesus is calling us to shine forth in the midst of the darkness of this world, just like he did. Secondly, secondly, we must not hide our life in Christ, but live, live it out openly for all to see. At the end of verse 15, Jesus gives us a few examples of what light is supposed to be, what is light is supposed to do. He says, it's like a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Right? He's probably referring to Jerusalem that sat on top of Mount Zion so that when everyone lit their lamps at night, and especially during the Feast of Tabernacles, when they lit their lamps, there was a glow uh, around the city, uh, very much like uh, when, you're, when you're driving through the, through the desert uh, in, in, in Nevada on your way to Las Vegas. You know, you see just, it just, there's darkness everywhere, and then miles and miles away, you see this big dome of light. Right? Now, of course, it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of city than Jerusalem, but you get the idea, <laughs> right? You can't help but see the light that emanates from a city that is uh, lifted up uh, over the darkness. And Jesus sa is saying that, that we ought to be like that as individuals and as a community. He goes on to describe how, how people light a lamp and they light it, they don't hide it under a basket. This is just kind of everyday uh, way of living, that when you have a lamp, you don't hide it under a basket. What do you do? You put it on a stand so that it, the light shines uh, in the greatest amount of area to give the greatest amount of light so that you can see. 
And so what Jesus is saying is that when, like, like when salt loses its flavor and becomes useless, so also does light become useless when we hide it under a basket. There's no point in having a lamp. There's no point in lighting it if you hide it and you don't let it shine forth. It's useless. And so what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you and for me if we try to hide our light? Hide the light of the gospel by which we were saved. And this leads us then to the third aspect of what Jesus is saying here, that we must live openly as Christians and not hide our faith and life from people. Like a lamp that shines in the darkness, we must shine the light of Jesus in and through our lives. What's the point of being a light if we hide ourselves under a basket so no one can see by it? We become like salt that loses its flavor, that loses its saltiness. We're lights that can't really shine. We, sh- we can't shine the light of Jesus as we stand up against the darkness of sin and evil when we see it. Christians have a long history of a long history of standing up against injustice and evil in the world. For example, the abolitionist movement was based on Christian convictions that people are made in the image of God and ought not to be bought and sold and it like, like property. They ought not to be enslaved. When people would argue uh, that the Bible condones slavery, uh, no. The the Bible tolerates uh, indentured servitude, but not chattel slavery or or what what the Bible in the Old Old Testament law describes as man-stealing, taking away all the, the rights and privileges of a human being and treating them as if they were animals. The Bible forbids that kind of slavery. It's the whole Bible That is the story, in fact, of how God frees his people from from slavery in Egypt and slavery in sin to give them freedom as his children, freedom to love him and to serve him. So the whole Bible is about freedom from slavery. Why would it condone the kind of slavery uh, that used to be uh, here in America and throughout the world? Jesus is calling us to be distinct from the world, to live as light in contrast to the darkness. So what are some reasons that we might hide our faith like a lamp under a basket? Maybe we are more afraid of what other people think of us than we do, uh, than we care about what God thinks of us. We are people pleasers more than God pleasers. Uh, the fear of man is, more, is greater to us than the fear of God. Or maybe we love our comfort so much that we don't want to stick out from the crowd uh, because we don't want the discomfort of sticking out because we live for Jesus, because we like talking about him, because we like living according to uh, what he commands us. Maybe we don't want our friends and coworkers to be uncomfortable around us So we don't talk about our faith or the gospel or of Jesus. Maybe we're afraid to share the gospel with those family members and friends that we know will argue and laugh at us at the very mention of the name of Jesus. Another reason maybe is we don't connect our faith in Christ 
to the other areas of our lives. Maybe we compartmentalize our faith from the rest of our lives, from everything else. On Sunday, we like to go to church, study the Bible, and do Christian things. But Monday through Saturday, we put all that aside and live as if he doesn't exist or he isn't all that important to us. So we live like everyone else around us rather than stick out as we live by grace through faith in Christ. Charles Spurgeon said this, Christ has lighted us that we might enlighten the world. God intends his grace to be as conspicuous as a city built on the mountain's brow. Brothers and sisters, here's a test of whether you're living as light or not, or at least an indicator, is do, do people know that you're a Christian by what you say and how you live? Is there something different about you that sticks out from the crowd? Or do you live in such a way that no one would ever suspect or accuse you of being a Christian? Uh, these are just questions for you to, to think about. I don't, I don't say these to make you feel bad, but, but just to test yourself. To see, you know, whether you are living as God intends that you are naturally shining the light of Jesus in all that you do. That there's no part of your life where the light of the gospel doesn't touch. So that when you enter into a room and, there, and you're the only Christian there, that somehow, some way, you light up the room with the very grace in which you carry yourself, the wisdom with which you conduct yourself, the love with which you exude, uh, there was one time where, where a friend of mine uh, went to a city, and uh, and he was driving uh, a rental car, and his he got a flat, and he didn't know uh, how to change his tire. I was, you know, don't ask me why, but and. And he was just stuck there, and all these people would just drive by, and you could, you know, he said that he saw all these people just driving by, and he, he recognized that that's probably what he would have done. But this kind man stopped, uh, and maybe for, uh, for us, uh, you know, cynical people in Southern California, you know, if somebody stops to help us, we're, we're like, okay, like, you know, uh, I don't want to die, and I'm scared of this person, but... You know, in this particular city, this friend uh, kind of put down his, you know, his uh, uh, cynicism and just received uh, the help that was offered. And this kind gentleman um, changed the tire uh, and, uh, and fixed everything so that he could drive. And he did it with a kind of grace and care and compassion uh, that this person was like, you know, I don't think just anybody would have stopped and, and treated me this way. And so he kind of, you know, thought, oh, are you a Christian? And this person was like, yeah, I was going to invite you to my church too. Um, and, uh, and so what Jesus is describing here is the way in which we live our lives that people might accuse us 
for good or for ill, that, that we are Christians, that we care about the truth, that we care about our neighbors, that we will help and sacrifice for our neighbors and even our enemies. We would love them and pray for them. When people, people treat us badly in our workplaces and we turn the other cheek and we love them because we, we have compassion on them because we know what it's like to live without Jesus, that the world is a very cold and hard place. It's a dog-eat-dog world. And if I don't uh, claw and scratch my way to the top and step on other people, I'm not going to get ahead. But you know you know the, the grace of God, and so you have compassion on them, and you love them. And people are like, you know, you're just the weirdest person I've ever met. What is it? You know, what are you, a Christian? You know, I wish that would be said of all of us. If you're a skeptic, this idea of light and dark also illustrates uh, how... We have to presuppose God's existence in order to hold other truths that we hold dear. In other words, when we hold certain truths, we have to presuppose the existence of God in order to hold them, and light and dark being an illustration of that, right? In our modern day and age, we love the idea of of justice and human rights. We love the idea of taking care of the the poor and the needy and the vulnerable and the oppressed, Uh, But we don't want to believe in God. And so when we don't believe in a God who who reveals to us these wonderful truths because it it speaks to his character and of his grace and the way in which the world ought to be rather than the way the world is, right? We are getting ahead of ourselves. And so we're trying to stand on the foundation of these truths without God. And this is the dichotomy or the paradox of the atheist. This is, C.S. Lewis described his atheism uh, when, when he was struggling with, with whether God existed. And he used to ask, how can God allow injustice and suffering? And then he thought to himself, how did I get this idea of, of just and unjust? A man doesn't call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. And so he realized I hope you will realize, if you are a skeptic, that you have to presuppose God's existence in order to deny it. Think about that for a moment. If God doesn't exist, you wouldn't know how to, you wouldn't know to deny him in the first place if you didn't presuppose his existence. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. Listen carefully. He says, atheism turns out to be too simple. If the whole universe has no meaning, we should never have found out that it has no meaning. Just as if there were no light in the universe and therefore no creatures with eyes, we should never know it was dark. Dark would be a word without meaning. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Do you see what C.S. Lewis is saying there? That you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know God doesn't exist 
if deep down inside you knew that God existed. And then from there you deny him. If a person is born blind and they could never see a photon of light in their entire lives, does it mean that light doesn't exist? No. Uh, The fact that God gave you eyes in order to see everything through light, it means light exists. You can't deny it just because you can't see it. And that's the same idea that C.S. Lewis is putting forth here. That uh, the light of God's existence is the light that we presuppose by which we see everything else. Let me close here. Jesus is calling us to live distinctive Christian lives by shining forth his light and shining it brightly in the midst of the darkness of this fallen world. And all of this is grounded in the truth that Jesus is the light of the world who saved us to be lights in the world. And this is how we are to shine the light of Jesus in us by shining the light and life of Jesus through us. Everything we do, everything we think, everything we say, how we act, what we ought to do as we shine the light of Jesus is to show forth Jesus. So when people see our light shine brightly from us, what they are really seeing is the truth goodness, beauty, and the glory of Christ through us. I think one of the best pictures of this idea of being the light of the world together as the people of God is our Christmas Eve candlelight service. There's a reason why on Christmas Eve we turn down the lights at the end, towards the end of the service Signifying, representing the darkness of this fallen world. Fallen in sin, fallen in in death. And then we light our candles. Uh, One by one, we help light each other's candles. And, And little by little, the darkness begins to subside. And the light begins to increase. Till all we see is nothing but light. And we see in in this whole sanctuary is illuminated. That is what it means to be the light of the world through Jesus. And so let us take then the light of Christ. Don't just hide it in here. Maybe we can think of this as, as as a kind of container in which God calls us then to to shine here, light each other's light here, and then go forth. This is one of the things I'm, I'm hoping to do. I'll probably talk with the elders about this, but, but uh, not just keeping our light during that candlelight service, but taking it out for everyone to see. Uh, that's what God calls us to do, that you are the light of the world. And as we shine forth the light of Christ through our good works by how we live for Jesus, how we love our neighbor, everyone else will see it and they will bring glory to our Father in heaven because of it. Let's pray together.
Our Father, we thank you for making us the light of the world through the light of the world in Christ Jesus. Help us to shine forth and not hide it. Help us to shine bright uh, so that the world can see. Bless us, O Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.